Thanks for joining us today as you listen to a portion of a message recorded at Vine Life Church in Boulder, Colorado. If you'd like to connect with us further, you can visit us online at www.vinelife.com. Back then, right? Uh, Then we went into four weeks of Advent and through the Christmas uh, season. So today we're going to pick up the thread, and maybe the best way to do it is um, let me run back and just kind of remind you of a few things. I know you know them. I just like to bring the memory. So there was this little town called Colossae, and uh, the Romans moved the interstate, okay? And so it came off the beaten track. And how much is it like God that what he would do is he would pick these out-of-the-way places to plant his church. And so in Colossae, a church is formed. It's Gentiles. It's Jews. Um, and they have a knack, like all humans have a knack, to kind of do what they think they ought to do. And that makes them very vulnerable to a whole bunch of man-made notions rather than God-breathed truths. So Paul gets word of this, and so he writes him a letter. Uh, And in this letter, he does several things. Uh, He opens up the letter by saying to them, I've heard about you. We pray for you all the time. We pray for you to grow wiser. And we're so encouraged by what you're doing. He writes them in this letter, and he talks about, here's who I am. This is how I got here, and this is how I fit into the picture of the emerging kingdom of God uh, in the first century. And then he jumps into it. The language he uses is see to it. Because what happened to these folks is they all came with their families of origin. They all came with ideas about how you're supposed to worship, and some of these people were pagans, some of these people were Jews, uh, and they had all these notions, but the notions tended to focus from something other than Jesus. So Paul writes and he says, let me tell you who Jesus is. Let me tell you one more time who Jesus is. And you're not to be pursuing these shadowy things, these things that look like religion. They look like ritual. This is a new place and a new time. And that's where we got in the first two chapters of Colossians. And this morning, I'm excited to introduce Ed, who needs no introduction of any sort. Let's welcome him anyway. And he's... He's going to take us on the next step of this journey of discovery in Colossians. Okay? We all have backpacks, but I'm bringing mine up here today, and I'm going to move it around in different places and spaces um, as we travel through uh, Colossians 3. But I'll probably keep it on most of the time because I seem to haven't let all the way go of my backpack in life yet. Um, I want to start with just by recognizing today as Epiphany. This is the day of Epiphany in much of the Christian world. It's a beautiful day. It's the twelfth day after Christmas. It's the day that uh, historically the wise men made it 
to Bethlehem. They got there after stopping at Herod's and wherever else along the way. It took them a long time to get there. So Epiphany happened uh, historically on this day. The awakening of everything. A realization came into the world beyond the Jewish faith today. Uh, Those guys weren't Jews. Uh, The wise men were wise men. Uh, They had some understanding. They were aware. All creation, all creation rejoiced at the birth of Christ. Unseen angels manifested and were seen. The earth was rejoicing in the beauty of the Lord. And somewhere, somewhere, some guys were noticing creation going, oh my God, the one who created us, created everything, is here. And so they traveled and they brought gifts. And today's the gift-giving day. And historically, those gifts were what the family used, this poor little family used, This is message one, by the way. i got two messages. Uh, This is the one that the family used um, to travel to Egypt, to establish themselves in Egypt, to come back. So all these gifts were amazing wealth that were given to them by the Gentiles to help them while the Jews were trying to kill them. So it's a beautiful time. This is a beautiful day to remember Christ. So, epiphany. Let that thing, eyes opening, eyes opening, soul opening epiphany happen. We're hoping that will continue today. Um, So, Bob was good in his summary. Thank you, Bob. I'm going to jump a little bit into some of the things that Luke talked about as well. Uh, in particularly Luke in week two when he spent time in the uh, Christ hymn. There was a hymn that Paul, I believe, it's a poetic expression as Luke stated. Uh, It's a poetic expression of Paul's experiential, and I'm going to use these words, habitual underlying awareness. Paul had a habitual underlying awareness of the truth of Christ. It had become a habit for him. Why? Well, he had a lot of time in prison. He had a lot of time by himself. He had a lot of time to ponder these things and sit with them and let them go. And he developed a habit, an awareness that he wasn't looking for. He wasn't going out to find somewhere It was already in him. And from that place, this beautiful, beautiful poem arose that described Christ in which, in whom all things consist. Bob went a little further and um, talked about, as he was saying today, the distractions that uh, came up. And I'd like to say that those are old man stuff. That's all old man stuff. We all come to Christ with an old man. It's still very alive today in everyone who comes to the Lord. We've all got history. We've got baggage. We've got backpacks. We've got things that we're carrying that we really can't see very well because we can't see it. And we don't want to look at it. 
uh, mostly. So Paul was like, hey guys, let's look at this. Let's remember you're in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, repeatedly. I've placed you in me. I've brought you into me. You believe in me. I've hidden you in me. That's, we're going into those scriptures this morning. And because of that, because you're hidden in me, you can look at these things. It's all right. When you're outside of me, you don't want to look at them. But when you're inside of me, it's all right. It's all right. That's where I believe it's heading. Um, I'm going to take a moment here to just think about, um, before I read those scriptures, that uh, this has been happening all along. This is not something that was just happening in Colossae. Uh, it happens in Boulder and Longmont and Denver. happens in every country in the world. As people come to know Christ, it's happened all along. Uh, so I'm going to read something that uh, Augustine, St. Augustine, wrote somewhere uh, in the middle of his life. He lived from 354 to 430 A.D. He was a major guy in the church back then. Uh, he was raised with a very strong believing mother, much like many of our mothers. And his father was, didn't believe at all. Uh, some of us had that life as well. The result of that was that he didn't know what to believe. He was an educated man at the time. They, he went to school. He learned all the philosophies. He became a professor of philosophy. He taught all around in various places, in Rome and other places, and he was a partier as a young man, partied a lot, ended up having a baby uh, with a woman that he never married. He never married her. They don't know why. He cared for, the, cared for her, and he raised his son. But he was disturbed. And somewhere along the line, his wife... His wife left after his son and his mother died. They both died. So he goes into despair. He's in despair. And at this point in time, he's toying with Christianity. And the story goes that he sits down and he starts reading the letters of Paul over and over and over again. And in the process of reading these letters, something begins to shift in him. And this is something that he wrote in that process. So he, he's 35. He lived to about 72. He said, Late have I loved you, O beauty ever ancient, ever new. Late have I loved you. You were within me, but I was outside, and it was there that I searched for you. In my unloveliness, I plunged into the lovely things which you created. You were with me, but I was not with you. Created things kept me from you. Yet if they had not been in you, they would not have been at all. You called, you shouted, you broke through my deafness. You flashed, you shone, and you dispelled my blindness.' 
You breathed your fragrance on me. I drew in breath, and now I pant for you. I've tasted you. Now I hunger and thirst for more. You touched me, and I burned for your peace. This is a person's experiential expression of focusing outside, and then he let his thinking change. Something began to happen inside of him, and his mind began to change. He began to let go. He, be, he stepped in and became in his own expression of Colossians 1, 16 and 17, which says, For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things and in him all things consist. He became aware. He came on to subject. I like to use the language of, I'm going to use the language of subject and object a little bit today. When I come on subject, I come on to the awareness of the one in whom I live and move and have my being. When I remain on object, I'm outside of myself, looking at the things outside of me, wondering about them, how are they related to Christ? Can I change this? Can I do something about this? Is there something going on? I stay on object. I would say I have created an idol out of almost everything else. I'm an object. That's what idols are. They're objects. And Paul describes that in Colossians. He describes our thinking. So the habitual underlying of Christ that inspired the hymn of Paul became real for Augustine in his inner man. And we're all welcome here today as we continue on into this chapter. I guess want to stop here for a moment and say, let's take a little breath. It's all right. We can breathe a little bit here. And let this life, I can breathe. I need to breathe right now. So I'm kind of up here holding my breath. I'm like, oh my God, you know. So, uh, I got to breathe. So Colossians 3, 1 through 17. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who's our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourself once walked when you lived in them. But now... You yourselves are to put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you've put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man 
who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him, where there is no Greek nor Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all in all. These passages are going to be my primary focus today, but I want to go, I'm going to go through just reading through to verse 17 because these next verses kind of bring comfort to the, some of the intensity that's in those. Uh, Colossians 12. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you must also do. But above all things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your heart, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Without this experiential comfort, what's often engaged in is an outward move to try to make something happen. It's behavior modification. It's an appearance of change. Uh, while inside of us, and often with those closest to us, the old man, the small self in us emerges. So sometimes it's like that with my wife, my beautiful wife. She's wonderful, she's amazing, something comes up, the small self in me rises up. I find myself being agitated or moving through things and we have something else to deal with amongst us. It just it happens in us. I might be the only one in the room, but I don't think so. Uh, so taking, when, when I think about this whole passage, I think of the words of Jesus in Luke. How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye uh, when you yourself do not see the log that's in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your eye and then you'll clearly see the speck in your brother's eye. And in Luke 43 through 45, for no good tree bears fruit, nor again does a bear, bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree, a tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. In Luke, in, in, in the message, it says, it's easy to see a smudge on your neighbor's face and be oblivious to the ugly smear on your own. Uh, do you have the nerve to say, let me wash your face for you when your own face is distorted by contempt? It's this I know better than you mentality again, playing a holier than than thou part instead of just living your own part. Wipe that ugly smear off your own face and you might be fit to offer a washcloth to your neighbor. And again, you don't get wormy apples off a healthy tree nor good apples off a diseased tree. The health of, of the apple tells the health of the tree. 
you must begin with your own life-giving lives. It's, it's who you are, not what you say and do that counts. Your true being brims over into true words and deeds. These are Jesus' words. And these are the words of, of the, the Gospels of Jesus Christ. Paul just is taking them and going, hey, I'm going to get in there a little bit further with you. Uh, in oh, Colossians, oh, oh, my beautiful children, oh, those of you who are now in Christ, come on, I want to let you know that you're in Christ and in this place where you're hidden in Him, you're absolutely hidden in Him. We're not, Christ is not hidden in me, I'm hidden in Him. Most of the time, I think it's the other way around. I think He's hidden in me. That's just my thinking. Uh, it's my thinking. But I'm hidden in Him. That's the reality of being in Christ. Therefore, if I have a backpack on, I can't see it because it's hidden in me. But if I realize I'm hidden in Christ, then whatever's in here I can get into, even as I'm walking. I don't have to take it off and put it on the ground. I don't have to do something else with it. I can just get right in here. And I can discover what it is that's in my heart if, I'll, if I'm willing to ask the question. If I'm willing to say, Lord, what is it you want to see me? Oh my God, I'm really upset with this person. Those so-and-sos are that and that and this is, this is, you know. <laughs> I can be in that place and that stays pretty easy from here. But from here... It's like, oh, God. Huh. I wonder why I'm thinking that way. Oh, Jesus. I want to just cover that up. I want to get away from it. I don't want to feel that. I don't want to know I'm carrying that around. Malice, anger, wrath, covetousness, whatever it might be. Those things that are all old man. I don't want to look at them. I don't want to see them. I want a miracle to happen. I want something to come on me, the presence of God to come on me in such a way that I don't have these thoughts anymore. Take them away from me, God. Take them away from me. Well, wait a minute. In Colossians, it says, wait, look at these things, then you can put them aside. You can begin to put them aside. Uh, you're in me. I've got you. You're in me. I love you. You're in me. There's nothing that can separate you from me. Nothing. Not even your own belief about yourself or others cannot separate you from me if you're willing to come in. If you're willing to come in. So uh, in the NASB, it's a question of the condition of our hearts. This is tough stuff. I, I really hate it. Honestly, I'll be honest with you. I don't like looking at it. Uh, I'm willing, though. God has made me a willing person. I, I, somewhere along the line, I said, Lord, whatever you will, whatever your will is, I'll do that. He said, okay, look at your malice. Look at your anger. Look at these things. I'm like, no. 
Oh, how about something else? How about laying hands on the sick so they recover? Yeah, that's fine. You can do that too. And they do recover. But you still got to deal with this. You still got to deal with this. Because otherwise, the only person you're kidding is you. You're not kidding me. Because I'm on the inside looking out. Uh, I'm looking through you, and you're looking through me. It's heart stuff, deep heart stuff. Colossians is beautiful. Wake up. Don't fall back, brothers. Don't fall back, sisters. Because somebody's going to come along and tell you uh, that some of these things are really the best way to be. Uh, let, and, and you don't need to believe it. Be willing to ask the question and engage with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, what do you want to show me about my own thoughts and beliefs? Not about yours. Not about yours. It's, you can show me what you want about your thoughts, but really, I need to pay attention here and get the log out of my own eye. Our friend Graham Cook used to tell that story where somebody comes up and you start telling them what's going on in their lives and they start going, and the guy says, what are you doing? He says, I'm ducking under the log uh, that's swinging around here. I'm ducking under this thing that, that's, that's happening here while you're talking about my speck. It's, it's like God help us in, 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 the, in, in the truth of these things. These are not just little nice stories that we can put in our back pocket and quote to others. The Lord is transforming us and making us into His image. It, we're in His image. He's making us into His likeness. The beauty is here. The beauty is in us. We're in Him. Uh, the New American Standard... Um, We'll put that up, but I'm just going to paraphrase it. Excuse me. Our life is hidden in Christ. It's not saying, again, Christ is hidden in me. Our life is hidden in Christ. If Christ is hidden in me, then it may take a long time for anybody else to see it. But if I'm hidden in Christ, what begins to happen is that people begin to see it. Oh, wow. Wow. Are you, who's in there? You know, who's in there? As I've, I have a friend who says, you know, sometimes, Ed, when I talk to believers, uh, I feel like they want me to accept Christ. But in our conversations, I feel like Christ accepts me. I'm like, oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In that space. That I might, might sometimes be a person that people might feel that way with. Oh, you mean I'm loved just as I am? Without one plea? Yeah, because I'm loved that way. I'm loved that way. I'm so grateful for being loved that way. And it's still tough. It's hard. Uh, when Christ is realized and visible and manifest, we're revealed and visible as well. 
Therefore, these things being so, we get to consider our earthly body dead to impurity, passion, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. I can't think of how many times I've made idols out of things over and over and over again. Sometimes I've made an idol out of an emotion that I have. One of my favorite ones I've discovered in the last few years is shame. I made this amazing idol out of shame. It became so big for me that anything that happened, I would find myself feeling it. I'm ashamed. You know, I'm ashamed. And the Lord kept saying, come on in. Come on in. You are in me. And that thing you're feeling is right there with me in you. You are in me. Come on in and let me know how much I love you right in the middle of this thing you're feeling. And then it begins to dissolve and wash away. I'm thank God for my friends and people who have been willing to walk through that place with me. Because uh, if I have to do that by myself, the body of Christ, um, if, if the body of Christ is just continually telling me what's wrong with me, dude, you got shame. I know. Oh, God, I know. If they go, dude, you got shame, uh, talk to me about that. Listen to me. Let me listen to you. Let me ask you some good questions about it. Let me, let me be with you in that place. Something, the manifestation of the truth of who Christ in me begins to line it up. Subject begins to happen. I'm on subject. When I'm on shame, I'm on object. It's usually about out here is the way I feel it. I feel it out here somewhere. I feel it outside of me somewhere. When deep inside the truth of Christ is manifesting and is real. Because that's who I've been invited into. All of us. In... Uh, So all those statements, they're a challenge. Colossians is a challenge. It's an encouragement. And it is the belief of Christ in us and us in Christ. It's all of those things. The statements of possibility and hope that our minds, our thinking can change. Colossians is uh, encouragement that our thinking can change. Uh, we've come to know that Jesus Christ spoke the words, repent the kingdom of heaven at his hand. The word repent was a different word in the original scripts. Uh, when it was, came out of Aramaic and into Greek or wherever that was, the word was metanoia. And the original meaning was change your minds or go beyond your minds. Jesus was saying, change your thinking. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Go beyond your thoughts. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. In the fourth century, there was a monk named St. Jerome, and he translated the word into Latin. And the word and meaning changed from metanoia, let your thinking change in the Greek, to uh, penitentia, or, which means repent or do penance. 
that put us on a different course. I mean, that's been shifting over the past years, though the teaching has been there. Repent has changed your mind, changed your thinking over the past years. It's beautiful that that's been happening. But at the time, at the time, and what got laid in to the church in a lot of ways is, man, you got something you're thinking or feeling that's bad like that? You better do something about it. Say 20 Hail Marys, five Our Fathers, that's in that tradition. In the tradition of the Protestant church, uh, it's memorize some scriptures and repeat those scriptures and keep saying the word over and over again till you don't feel that. Or, oh, let's worship. We'll worship our way out of it until we don't feel it again. The problem is, we feel it again. It comes back. It hits us. It's like it's, oh God, I got rid of it. I think I got rid of it. I can't see it anymore. It started here. I'm feeling this thing. I've prayed. I've worshipped. I've said scripture. I've done all these things. And it went back here. <sighs> Clear view. Nothing, nothing weighing me down in front of me. Uh, behind me, I'm still carrying my stuff. And I could put scripture in there. I could put 10 Bibles back there. This thing just gets heavier. It doesn't get lighter. It gets heavier. If I put 10 or 15 or 20 Bibles back there, I put some instruments back there so I can worship. I can put all kinds of things back there. Pretty soon, I'm dragging something around. Uh, that the Lord is like, no, no, you get to, come on, son, you're hidden in me. Look at these things, be with me in them. You are dead. You're dead. The old man's dead. You get to lay this aside. You might still believe it's real, but if you hang out with me enough right here in the middle of it, faith comes and it grows. The mustard seed of faith that's in us. This tiny little thing that believes is in us. If I stay in there with him, all of a sudden this seed becomes a tree that's big enough for birds to sit in. I don't have to sit any longer in some place of illusion that, oh God, I'm still separated from you. No, we're not. We're not. We're not. So I call that subject an object again. Help me get on subject. If I remain on subject, if I remain hidden in Christ, I'm on subject. Then even when these things come up, I'm still in him. And if I'm in him, I become aware of him. The habitual underlying awareness increases. I find him because I know he's there. When a habit happens for us, it's second nature, we don't think about it. I don't have to think about it anymore. I don't have to do something to make it happen. It's already there. So if, I, if I'm in Christ and I'm spending time in him, the habitual underlying awareness increases. It's like, oh, I'm in him. In the middle of my shame, in the middle of this place. Uh, you're with me, Lord. Thank you. 
Thank you, because this thing has eaten my lunch for 67 years. Caused me problems for a long time in my life. Shows up here, shows up there. I worship my way out of it. I pray my way out of it. I do something fun and get out of it. I focus on all kinds of objects and get out of it. But as I've been learning and spending time and relaxing and resting, resting in the Word, in the Word that's in me, the habitual underlying awareness is increasing. Our good friends, Graham Cook, I talked about Graham and his, his, his uh, he, he has another little story about getting off the plane and coming to visit Jesus and you get off the plane and you land and your baggage comes out and there's Jesus over you, but you just are remaining with your baggage. You're hanging on to it so much. I'm hanging on to it so much that I'm just going round and round in circles with, you know, nobody's picking it up. Nobody's take, helping me. I'm just hanging on to my baggage. I want to hang on to my baggage. And when my baggage is there, what shows up is anger and malice and wrath and other things. There's positive things also, but those negative things show up. They show up. They show up in my interactions with people. They show up in the way I think about something. They show up somewhere. They, they just show up. The Lord's like, dude, you're, you know, come on. I'm with you. I'm in you. You're hidden in me. Get off the cycle. The thing of penance and repentance, by definition, had me, had me seeing that if I have a wrong thought, I need to do something. I need to do something about it. I, I need to do something about it. This is up to me. So I make an idol out of my own bad thinking. And I, I stand before it and I worship it in some way by focusing on it. Then I distract myself uh, by, in some way and feel good for how, how long. You know, there was a period of time in back here in Vine Life 10, 15 years ago. The Lord, we were upstairs praying and the Lord on a Wednesday night, there was this beautiful intercessory thing that happened. It was gorgeous. And one night the Lord asked me, he said, hey, <laughs> he kind of says that to me, hey, uh, would you be willing to drop the bottom out of your will? It's like, what? I don't know what that means. I know you don't know what that means. Would you be willing to drop the bottom out of your will? Because your will, wherever it is in you, um, that's how much I feel you. I can feel you to that place. I'm still learning how to drop the bottom out of my will, to let it go. Because for me, the bottom has been this nut of shame that I've held on to that I haven't understood for so much of my life. I couldn't understand it. I didn't know what it was. I could feel it. It was in me. It was visceral at times. Something would happen and viscerally I'd feel this thing. 
but I wouldn't go near it. Whew, that thing is too hot. That thing is too intense. I'm not going near that thing. My will would not allow me to go there. Uh, so I said yes. This was a long time ago. I'm slow. I'm a slow guy. It takes me a while. There are some people that if you would have said that, they would have gone, and they're done. You know, I kind of don't work that way. For whatever reason, I would love to, but it doesn't seem to happen. And so I, I tried repentance over and over and over again during that season. There was about a year and a half of it where I felt okay, I felt good, I felt free for about, I think it was five minutes at a time. And then shortly after that, I felt, man, this is intense, whatever this is. Some people would call that a dark night. Some people would. Uh, I think it might have been. Felt pretty dark, felt pretty nightlike. But in the process of it, it started softening this thing in me that's taken a long time to get softened. And through the love of the body of Christ and the willingness within the body of Christ to not think we know everything and be willing to change our minds and change our thinking, we are in Christ. He's transforming his church. He's transforming the body of Christ. He's doing it. We're not. And because of that, in that space, he continued to soften these places in me, continued to soften them and soften them. And I'm so thankful for it. So I want to just encourage us here in that space. Uh, the hidden in Christ way lets me see the bad thought or whatever it is and then recognize perhaps that I'm coming from a wound in my soul that I see has been bothering me for a long time. I can recognize that the anger, malice, slander, mocking, or other attitudes are often trying to protect me and keep me from feeling the hurt. If I remain, I find that Christ is revealed to me right where I am. He loves me right where I am, he embraces and forgives me right where I am, and I can lay it aside. That, that, over years, I didn't want to feel that pain. So I developed all of these methods in my own being of protecting myself. So something would happen, it'd come up, I'd start to feel agitated, angry, upset, wanting to put it on somebody else, doing, doing all kinds of things with it. It actually was a wonderful protective device that I had created to keep me from feeling the wound. Uh, these things that I believed about myself were, were protectors, protection uh, in, in those places. And so when I began to, someone helped me see that a, a while ago. And when they helped me see that, I was like, oh, well, I'm just going to thank the, that part of myself for trying to protect me, for trying to do what God, you know, what I wanted God to do. So I began to go, oh, thank you. Thank you, because I tell you what, when I feel the fullness of that thing, it freaks me right out. 
So if I only have to feel a little bit, I, I can make it through. But I, I don't want to feel the fullness of it. So he's been encouraging me. Thank, let it go. Put it aside. Let it go. And in the past several months, there's been opportunities that I've had to let that thing that has scared me the most be right, to go right into it. There's been times where something has happened and I have shaken from right under here to right under there. Right under this to right under that. Right under here to right under my feet. I've been shaken in the depths of my being because I, I I'm, I'm, I'm old enough now. I'm mature enough in him now. I am hidden in him. And he will walk with us. He cares for us and he'll walk with us right into the most what we perceive to be dangerous places in our being and let us know that he has victory there. He's overcome everything. There's nothing that he hasn't overcome. But in my arrogance, my pride, I think, I got to handle this. I got to handle it. Again, people, the body of Christ, people who would listen to me and love me and be with me in the process. Sometimes I didn't need anything more than someone to just hear me. That's all I needed. Someone to hear me with love and compassion. And by hearing me with love and compassion, my soul was cared for. My soul was cared for. And after my soul's been cared for, the demonic that would want to take that, those things of my soul could be cast out. Because, uh, well, I'm believing it's real. As long as I'm believing it's real, um, I'm going to hang on to it and the oppression, the thing that wants to nag my head and nag my heart has ground. It has ground. So we can let these things go. The Colossians, I just am so thankful for the Colossians that they somehow, Paul sitting in some cell, you know, this is a bunny I'm heading down real quick. Uh, I think it's interesting that the church, the early church, decided to create cells for all these monks. They created all these cells, hundreds of them, thousands of them, so that people could go sit in a cell because maybe it was the cell. Maybe it was the cell Paul was in that brought about the realization. Uh, again, we're outside in people. We think we can figure this out from the outside. Jesus is an inside man. He does an inside, inside job. It's constant and beautiful and loving from the inside out. From the inside out. So again, if I'm on object, oh, what I wanted to say about that shaking was, is that I sat with it and it went on for moments. It was like, oh God. And then 
you know, I asked a question and I've asked some questions in that process. And I have this tendency that part of my nature is to believe what I think other people believe about me. That's kind of how I'm wired. You know, I think I know what you think about me. So, because I think I know what you think about me, that must be true and real. And, and if I think what you think about me is not healthy and good, then I take it on. That's the way I've been wired in my life. Well, the Lord has been working on me to help me see that no, 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 no. You don't have to receive that. Let it go. My small self-protector man protected me from being able to even look at that because I wouldn't let myself feel the shake. But in the middle of that internal feeling, I could go, huh, wow, huh, I don't have to believe that. That's not on the other person. That's on me. It's not about the other person. It's about my internal world, my thoughts. The Lord is changing our thinking. He's doing it. Because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. We're in him. Metamorphosis is happening. Transformation is taking place. Slow. God, it's been slow. 2,000 years and better. Slow. Speed it up, Lord. I am. I'm going as fast as you will let me. Uh, so if I'm on object, I'm focused on the idol I have made within me, and I put it before Christ. I'm holding on to old ways of thinking. I may find myself returning again and again to the same behavior that the thought provokes. Sometimes there may be demonic activity that increases the intensity of the feeling, emotion, or thought. The underlying old man, the small self-thought, or belief often needs to be expressed or simply heard without condemnation in order to lessen the hold of the old way of thinking. Our soul feels cared for and allows us to find love. Uh, I'd like to just invite you, if you'd like to, to uh, just ask the Lord if you would choose. It's your choice. Lord, help me be on subject. Help me, help me realize when I find myself thinking out here somewhere, in some other place about others, or about myself out here somewhere, Help me, Lord, return to subject. Come into the in Christ reality that I live in, the place where I'm hidden in you, Lord. The place where I'm hidden in you. Because, Lord, you, I don't want you hidden in me. None of us do. None of us do. So I just want to invite you, if you want, you can stand with me, you can sit with me, you can 
your choice. And I'm just going to pray a minute. Lord, I thank you that you are the lover of our souls. Lord, that your desire from before the foundations of the world was first to create us in your image and then transform us into the likeness of you on the earth, son of God, daughter of God, child of the Most High. I thank you, Lord, to help us in this place to receive the truth of who we are in you, Christ, to return to subject. Lord, help me when I find myself drifting out into other ways of being, which you described in Colossians very beautifully, that I could come back onto self, come back in to the center and the wholeness of who I am in you, Christ, that I could reckon myself dead and that the old things, the things that bother me and plague me and continue to show up, I'm not I will not be afraid to look at them. Be with you in them, Lord, so that they can be laid aside. I thank you for your love. Thank you for your beauty. I will praise you. Thank you, Lord. In your name we pray. awesome. Pretty awesome. Let's stand, please. We're, uh, <clears throat> we're about ready to go. And, uh, you know, we've kind of developed something here uh, that I think is pretty cool. And that is our